Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about why it's important that your spouse or partner, whatever you'd like to refer them to, uh, has an understanding of your family's financial position and is engaged in that decision making. So typically, it's really common for one spouse to have a greater interest in finances and managing the family's finances. Um, And uh, typically that most interested spouse takes responsibility for making the financial decisions. Sometimes that will be in connection or concert with through a discussion with the other spouse or sometimes uh, a spouse will unilaterally make those decisions. Now it feels like a good division of labor, labor, particularly if a particular spouse Uh, or one spouse has a genuine interest in the subject matter, uh, and particularly if the other spouse has a genuine disinterest in the subject matter. Uh, But it's not a good thing, and I want to explore that a little bit through this podcast and give you some suggestions about what you uh, could think about doing. So one of the problems is that if the decision, let's call them the decision-making spouse, if they pass away, and particularly if they pass away unexpectedly, it will cause a lot of stress and worry for the remaining spouse. Um, because not only do they have a little bit, a, a little knowledge, you know, they don't have a thorough knowledge of your financial affairs, but they also typically have a low level of confidence and a low level of experience and understanding in order to make financial decisions. And this all compounds and causes a lot of stress and worry at probably the worst possible time. That is, they're, they're having to deal with your passing, assuming the person that's listening to this podcast is the decision maker, which is probably more likely. Um, and, you know, it causes a lot of problems. And I, I've seen it uh, in my practice. Um, and uh, what I try and do as often as possible is make sure that I'm talking to both spouses you know, at least every so often and make sure that I know that even if one spouse is just completely disinterested in money, that they still have an understanding and a high level understanding. And that really certainly helps avoid um, causing undue stress and worry in a, in a time where, you know, it's, it's, it's avoidable and it's, um, it's uh, the, the, probably the worst time to, to have that sort of stress. Uh, the interesting thing also is that you know, there's been some horrible situations of spouses finding out about how dire their family's financial situation is uh, when the relationship breaks down. So that is that um, husband and wife or a, a de facto couple decide to separate and it's only then that one party learns about the massive tax debts, the liabilities, the fundamentally unsound investments that the other partner has made and then they're going to have to live with those decisions uh, through the transition of um, uh, unwinding those assets. You know, obviously a strong relationship has a foundation of mutual trust and respect, and that would include typically discussing and disclosing all material financial decisions with your spouse or de facto partner um, before any transactions are made. That's a, that, that what I think would be a normal expectation. Unfortunately, it doesn't always occur. Now, um, uh, quite often one spouse, in particular I find men, often have a strong sense of responsibility to provide, in inverted uh, commas, uh, or quotations, for their family. And sometimes that responsibility can drive them to take risks 
They make ultimately silly decisions. Uh, and this can be compounded by the fact that they might feel like that they shouldn't burden their partner with their, those decisions by discussing it uh, with them. So they kind of protect their partner. This all can result in um, tears, typically, in the long run, and it's not something that's, um, that's ever going to really yield uh, positive outcomes. So it is the responsibility, I think, of all of us as individuals to ask questions and seek to understand. We can't turn the blind eye. We can't say, oh, look, you deal with it. I'm just completely disinterested because at the end of the day, it might end up falling back in our lap and we, we had a wish we would take, uh, took a, a stronger level of responsibility for making those decisions. And really, that's not to say that you can't trust anyone or that you can't delegate. But the thing you can't delegate is your obligation to take responsibility for your own money. Uh, so, you know, certainly find a good quality financial advisor, let your partner make decisions and, and educate you and, and trust that they're going to look after your best interests, all those sorts of things. But make sure that you ask questions because at the end of the day, it's your money and at the end of the day, uh, you're going to have to live with the consequences of of making those decisions. Now, I'm not suggesting a partner needs to have a, a really detailed, nitty-gritty understanding of every situation, nor do I am I saying that we should enter into those conversations with a predetermined level of distrust, but just understand at a high level, what, what does this do? What's the liability? What can go wrong? These are all good questions uh, to answer. The other to ask, I should say, the other benefit of um, of all part or both partners being on the same page is that you're more more than likely to stick to the strategy. So, for example, if your strategy requires you to contribute a certain amount of money into a share portfolio every year, um, and you both understand why that's important, why it's important to consistently do that, uh, why it's important to make sacrifices from some years in some years to year to year in order to do that. Um, to stick to the plan, then it's more likely you're going to hold each other accountable for doing that and you're more likely to be successful. Whereas if it's just a strategy that someone's developed by themselves for their own family, um, it might you might find it difficult to pull the other partner's expenditure into line in order to meet those goals uh, every year. So ha being on one page and having each partner buy in to the strategy uh, is really important. So what do you do if your partner isn't interested? You know, you've got a disinterested party. Uh, well, first thing, let them listen to this podcast because there's obviously some fundamentally sound reasons why they should take some level of interest. Um, but here's a, a, a few other tips. You can certainly ask them to join you at their, your next meeting with your financial advisor or accountant or whoever, you know, is advising you in respect to these matters. Um, uh, you can let them know that, what, what sort of steps that they need to take should you pass away unexpectedly. So who they need to talk to, how your assets are set up, um, where to you know where to access bank accounts, those sorts of things. Um, you can ask them for help. You can say well, you don't really want to wear the burden of making the, all the financials, uh, finan the family's financial decisions, and that you know that that, that task is best shared amongst both of you. Um, or if you're still having trouble, maybe engage the assistance of a third party, such as a counsellor. They'll typically have tools and strategies to help you address that, uh, whether you do that together or whether you do that uh, by yourself to sort of get that um, counselling 
uh, it's it's up to you. But but certainly you need to try and engage, or both partners need to try and engage with each other um, to to make sure that they're fully aware of what what they're doing with their money, your individual money. Um, the uh, Australian Banking Association has a code of conduct which all banks must comply with, uh, and they made some changes uh, as a result of the Royal Commission and all the the reports and insight that occurred over that period of time. They made some changes that uh, code of banking conduct uh, on that came into effect on one July this year, um, and it required uh, I quote to take extra care of customers that may be more vulnerable. Um, and that includes things like uh, a term that's now used called financial abuse and or domestic violence. Um, and this is uh, situations where people um, don't have access to bank accounts that are in their name or knowledge of assets in their name. They're asked to sign forms they don't understand um, or really anything that you're uncomfortable with. So there's, I've included links in the show notes, there's lots of um, uh uh, advice on the government's on ASIC's smart money website that if you're um, being treated in this way, uh, that there's there's uh, ways to sort of get help. Um, the other benefit of making sure that everyone's on the same page is it it can help your executors significantly. So you know executors occupy a very important role. You know their job is to really carry out your wishes as set out in your will. But it also can be a very time-consuming, onerous job, and anyone that's acted as an executor will certainly uh, confirm that. And also, sometimes executors don't have the experience, understanding, or time to really execute their duties in an accurate and timely fashion. So one solution to this is instruct them to engage your trusted advisors. That could be your financial planner or accountant. And you can do that in your will. You can do that, obviously, verbally through discussions with them all through drafting what's called a letter of wishes, which is really an addendum uh, to your will that can be updated at any time. Uh, and that's really a letter from you to them on telling, uh, setting out a little bit more detail how you would like them to execute their duties. Uh, and so be able to do this, what you need to do is first uh, talk to your advisor, accountant or financial advisor, and make sure they're willing to take on that work. And then, um, uh, and then ensure... Uh, that you have that conversation with your executor, and your executor could naturally be your spouse, brother, sister, friend, whoever it might be, have the conversation with them and say, okay, it's really simple, here's my will, here's what I'd like to have, go and seek ex, you know, Stuart's advice, uh, he'll he'll look after you and, you know, just oversee that process. Uh, and that re- releases the, the burden from a time perspective and um, uh, you know, from a an emotional perspective, uh, in order to the, for them to execute uh, their responsibilities. So it's okay for one spouse to take the responsibility for organising your fam- uh, family's finances. That's fine. It's okay for one person to run with it. However, the responsibility to make decisions, understand your income, assets, liabilities, and cash flow, is something that must be shared equally amongst spouses. And if anyone that's listening to this that's a spouse that's relatively disinterested in their financial situation, that might come back to bite you one day uh, in terms of extra stress or problems or issues. And so I would strongly counsel you uh, to take some basic level of interest in your financial situation. Uh, and this is ultimately likely to empower you in the future, make you feel more confident uh, no matter what life brings you. 
so there you go, just a short one this week uh, in terms of making sure that we're all on the same page if we have a spouse or de facto partner. Okay, guys, until next week, bye for now.